Welcome back to Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk all things punk rock, feminism, and rad happenings in the indie rock community. You just heard I Don't Need You from Dog Party's latest album, Till You're Mine, which is easily one of my favorite releases of the year. On this episode, I talk to Sheridan Allen, the incredible founder of Punk Talks, and I'll dish on my experiences at the Wrecking Ball in Atlanta, Georgia. But before we get down to business, let's hear Dog Party's cover of Rebel Girl. Okay. Hey, everybody. We are here talking to Sheridan Allen of Punk Talks today. How are you doing? Hello. Thanks for having me. Um, I am living the dream, you know. I know you've got a cat on your lap. Our listeners won't be able to see that, but that's like the dream in itself. So that's exciting. (laughs) It, It is a dream. And I hope every listener goes to my Twitter and looks at my cat, Franklin. He's really cute. And he's named after the band Frankie Cosmos. Oh my gosh, (laughs) that's the perfect cat then. I love it when people name their animals after bands. It just makes it so much more fun. I'm hoping the next one I can do that with, so. Like I adopted him and he was already named Franklin um, and we just had 
a cosmic connection. So I figured that it was the most appropriate name. Also, I love Frankie Cosmos. So that's just Franklin Cosmos on it. What a perfect name. (laughs) Absolutely adorable. So thank you. um, Everybody, we've got Sheridan here today to talk to us about her project, Punk Talks. Could you kind of describe to us what Punk Talks is and where it originated? Oh my gosh, could I? Um, Yes, I can. Punk Talks is a an organization that offers free therapy and mental health services to um, technically to touring musicians and music industry professionals, but pretty much, uh, you know, my philosophy is uh, I will work with anyone whose life has been masters of the music industry. So, um, and I love helping people, so I never turn anybody away, but uh, it originated here in Northern Kentucky, where I live. I live about uh, five minutes away from Cincinnati, Ohio, in a town called Bellevue. And uh, I founded it last January, um, January of 2018. 15 yes 2015 um and you know it's it's run out of I guess kind of remotely I go all over the place but I live in this area um and you know that's kind of the whole deal I guess did I explain that adequately no that's great so you started in 2015 what have you felt have been your biggest accomplishment so far with doing this oh my gosh well every time that I think um that something we do is like the coolest thing, then we get other opportunities to do really cool things. So I really like, I honestly just can't believe that, (laughs) that like I get to do this, you know, it's a, it's really a dream. Um, probably our biggest accomplishments, I would say, um, the number one that comes to mind would definitely be the benefit show. Um, we had, I was wanting to do a benefit show. Um, so we finally had one, to celebrate uh, one year of punk talks. And it was in March this past March in Hackensack, New Jersey. Uh, and sorority noise was the headliner old gray also played. Um, we also had, you know, some other area bands, uh, steady hands played, um, side projects of modern baseball played slaughter beach dog. Wasn't there, but, um, and let's see, uh, messes, which is a local band. Uh, well, they're from, uh, Lexington, Kentucky. They're amazing. You should listen to them. They played, um, a band called romp who also is wonderful, uh, Plainview and Sistine. And those are all kind of area bands. Um, so we were able to raise, uh, close to $2,000. Wow. Yeah, it, it was phenomenal. There were, uh, we sold out and there were, uh, 200 people that attended, We, um, and while we were there, I also announced, uh, the addition of professional therapy, which is a pretty new component, but we have, um, Ryan Kelly, who's a licensed clinical social worker out of Chicago who volunteers to provide free therapy for anybody who needs it. How many people do you have involved in punk talks right now? Um, do you mean like how many people participate in services or how, like my team or, you know what I mean? Uh, how many people I guess are on your team right now? Um, I have, I was typing up an email to them as like right before you called, actually, I have truly the dream team. Um, (laughs) I really do. And we have just recently gotten to a point where, uh, I felt like I couldn't do everything on my own. Um, and I'm, I work full time as a social worker for child protection in, uh, in my area. And I also am in grad school full time getting my master's in social work. So, 
it's a pretty hectic time right now. Um, I have an assistant named Haley. She's amazing. Um, our therapist, I have two social media coordinators, um, Alyssa McCarthy and Emily Balserak. Um, she told me she'd give me $5 if I pronounce her name correctly. So if she listens to this, um, Emily, you owe me $5. We'll make sure um, she does. <laughs> Um, Joel Funk, he runs a site called 36 Vultures. Um, he is my artistic director and Jeff Fiddler is my marketing coordinator. Um, and Deanna Chapman is my outreach coordinator. And I think that that is everyone. And then I also have people that just like to help out a lot. Um, Andrew Bankovich, he, uh, he like does performance art and like solo stuff. And he is uh, a kid from Michigan has been like a diehard punk talks volunteer forever. Um, Haley's roommate, Jake helps out a lot. Um, he's in a band called gray matter. Um, I, I have truly some incredible people that really believe in what I'm doing. Um, I guess that's the whole team, the whole crew. So I think there's, uh, in total six of us, seven of us, include, uh, not including me. That's amazing. How did you sort of like bring everybody together and start connecting your idea for punk talks? Um, well, I guess really when I started, uh, when I started doing punk talks, it was, I really didn't know anyone. Um, and I talk about this a lot because the way that punk talks kind of came into, into light was really, I think a testament to, um, our community and how, you know, as emo kids really can come together to promote, uh, really, really awesome jacks and, you know, just generally good things that are happening. Um, so when I announced punk talks, I really didn't know anyone in the music industry at all. Um, and it was one person who blogged it on, it was, uh, it was a photographer who followed me on Tumblr that reblogged it. And then the band Foxing. So it was seriously just like a little word post on my personal Tumblr saying, I'm going to do this. And, um, she reblogged it. And then the band Foxing reblogged it. And then it started getting a lot of attention. And then I met, uh, I met someone who really, I guess, believed in what I was doing and, and promoted that to it, it, somebody in the music industry that really believed in what I was doing and promoted that to the people that they were working with kind of snowballed from there. Um, I modern baseball, the members of modern baseball have been truly crucial. Uh, the members of sorority noise have been really, really in the way that they've supported and promoted what I've been doing. Um, and everyone on my team, I, Emily was the only one that I knew prior to starting Punk Talks and we were just like Twitter friends. Um, but everyone else, um, I met through my work, uh, Haley works for Bloodfest every year. So, um, I met her last year when I went to Bloodfest. Um, awesome. Joel just found, um, I mean, everybody really just kind of found punk talks online and thought it, thought it was a good idea. And so even, uh, Ryan, our therapist, he, he found out about punk talks through, uh, Dikembe actually, who approached me in January or February. They, I had never spoken to any of them. Uh, they, Hey, we heard about your organization. We really like what you're doing we are coming out with this live album and we want to donate all the proceeds to you. And I was like, uh, okay, sure. Dikembe, a band that I've loved for years. 
Um, so when they announced that Ryan Kelly, who's a fan of Dikembe saw it and approached me and said, I love what you're doing. Let me give you free therapy. And I was like, uh, all right, cool. So really I was just to, um, meet a lot of really awesome people with a lot of really great skills, um, that they wanted to use to empower our community and, you know, make it a, a happier, healthier place. So I'm, I'm very, very lucky. It's kind of cool how everything started to come together and you had people reaching out to you, especially some really prominent bands in the scene. When you mentioned names like Sorority Noise, Modern Baseball, Dikembe, these are like kind of heavy hitters. It must have been really <laughs> exciting for you to have these people, you know, reaching out to you and really making these kinds of connections musically and, you know, being a part of the conversation that you're setting up in the community. What was it like for you emotionally starting to have all this come together? I'm so glad you asked me this question because nobody asks me this. I have like chills thinking about it. Um, actually, this morning I was talking to Carl Kuhn from the band Museum Mouth about this wow. because um, <laughs> he he's a great friend. And um, we were talking about how weird it is that we like are in these positions. And we were talking about Max Bemis. And I said something to the effect of like, the degrees, there are so few degrees of separation between Max Bemis and myself that it may, like, I don't know how to handle it. <laughs> and, um, I'm frequently made fun of for getting like starstruck around, around bands. Um, just, I mean, just a few days ago, I went to, um, to Cleveland and saw Bayside, the Menzingers and Sorority Noise. And, um, was just not chill at all about it. Like I've loved Bayside for, I mean, since I was like 14, 10 plus years. And I just like, <laughs> I get really weird about it. And, you know, very like, I don't know, I'm pretty awkward. Um, <laughs> at first, because like, again, I can't believe the opportunities that I get, you know, and the fact that I get to or uh, go on tour with them. Like um, with Motion City Soundtrack, I, I was able to go out with Sorority Noise when they were on the uh, tour of Commit This to Memory last summer. And, oh man, <laughs> I love, like they are one of my all-time favorite bands and that's one of my all-time favorite albums. And on the last night of the tour um, at the Egyptian Room in Indianapolis, and that's the area that I'm from, so the first time that I ever, ever saw Motion City Soundtrack was at that same venue years before that when they were direct support for Fallout Boy with, uh, it was the starting line and Boys Night Out and uh, another band that no one had ever heard of called Panic at the Disco that opened. <laughs> and wow. it was just, it was crazy. and um, I was like really freaking out about it and I told them all and, you know, I told all the members of Motion City and they like remembered and they were super cool about it. And like very, musicians are normal people. Um, <laughs> so luckily, um, I try, I mean, I really try to remember that when I'm meeting them. But uh, as a fan of this type of music, I get, I get a little starry eyed sometimes. Um, so luckily, because they're normal people, I'm able to usually you know, pull myself together pretty, pretty quickly, but it is, I mean, it is very humbling to be able to work with bands that I've loved my entire life or, you know, bands that have really shaped me into the person that I am. It's, it's a very humbling experience. I'm, I feel very lucky. 
Absolutely. You know, it's one of those things where it doesn't matter how long you've been involved in the music scene. The more that you get to meet people, you still get just as excited. And when they become your friends, there's still that little bit of excitement that's left. So that's really special that you have oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. Like I even uh, like I joke with with people a lot because um, modern baseball and the members of modern baseball have been, you know, they've been friends of mine for a while. Um, but I still like I love their band so much that I still like can get kind of fangirly around them <laughs> sometimes, even though, you know, like I know them all personally, it's, I'm a pretty big nerd. If you, if you haven't picked up on it, <laughs> I'm just tricking everybody. I don't know why they think I'm cool. <laughs> no, be a nerd and be proud. That's really the cool, the cool part anyway. So, <laughs> you know, you get to do this really cool thing. You were mentioning earlier about how, you know, you're involved in social work at home and you're kind of able to take your your ability to provide therapy on the road too. What's it like being able to take something that you study professionally and put your other passion music toward it? Oh my gosh. It is like, I tell people all the time, um, whenever, you know, people thank me a lot for my work in the scene. And I just remind them like, you know, I should be thanking you all. Like you, I literally am living my dream. Like I have two passions and it is social work and it is music. And those two have beautifully come together. And that, I mean, that was really how I kind of created punk talks was, um, I was a quarter life crisis. I was about to graduate college and, um, it was, I talk about it a lot, but, uh, punk talks creation was actually inspired by modern baseball, um, because I was a, a fan of their band. And I remember thinking, you know, like they're all full-time college students. And I'm so like, I was a full-time college student at the time. Um, and I just thought I'm so, like, I'm so stressed out already. And I am not in a popular band that tours all over the world. Like, I don't know how they do it. They must be so stressed out. And also kind of, you know, in that area of like, I am 24 years old. I have not really accomplished anything significant. I've always wanted to be involved in the scene, but I grew up in a really rural small town in Northern Indiana. And now I live in Kentucky and there's not too much of a local scene here either. So I kind of decided, uh, you know, now or never, like I don't, I can't, you know, I don't have any marketable skills that are necessary in the music industry, but you know, I have one skill and it's helping people. So you know, let's figure this out. And luckily people thought it was a good idea, but, um, I mean, seriously, I can't stress enough that it is honestly a dream come true because I mean, if there are, if there's one word to describe me, passionate is probably it. So the fact that I get to combine the two biggest passions that I have is, is, I mean, dreamy. It is, I do it honestly. <laughs> That's so exciting for you. You know, there's a lot of opportunity to make some changes in the scene. I'm sure that you're aware of, you know, we face issues of, you know, not only the struggles of mental health, but also, you know, the consequences of that can be what we face with gender, with, you know, sexuality, mm -hmm. with any kind of identities that are minority in the scene. There's a lot of issues that I'm sure that musicians and fans both face. What kind of impact would you like to have on those kind of issues as well? Well, um, oh man, I mean, that's, I would love to say that I would love to, you know, eradicate all mental health problems, <laughs> but that's pretty, uh, unrealistic. So my, I mean, my goal really is pretty simple and it's just to 
help as many people as I can in any way that I can. Um, and you know, whether that is talking with them personally or finding a therapist in their area or referring them to any other really great organization in our scene, we, you know, it's a really exciting time in, in emo and DIY because, um, you know, as, as kind of a subculture, we are really, really prone to being drawn to social justice and, you know, wanting to engage in, in social progression and moving forward. So there's a lot of, of resources already within our, our community for people that are considered minorities or that aren't and want to help. So Punk Out is a really great organization that I actually just uh, partnered with at Wrecking Ball and have worked with uh, pretty, pretty frequently since starting. Um, and I, <laughs> the way that I explain their organization to um, people that are familiar with Punk Talks, and I'm sure that Michael loves this, but um, I just kind of call it the gay version of Punk Out or of Punk Talks. Um, they, you know, they're, goal is to provide resources and services to LGBT members of the emo community or, you know, whether that's bands or fans or what have you, they have done a lot of really good work in the Philadelphia area with, um, they do a lot of food drives for the attic youth shelter that caters to LGBT youth in Philly. Um, we also have, um, safer scene, which it, they work with victims of sexual assault, um, that have been, that have felt sexually assaulted, like within a musical realm, whether that's by a musician or at a show or anything like that. We also have a lot of bands that are really working toward that, like Power Bottom and, uh, Speedy Ortiz and Modern Baseball, all established hotlines at their shows this year that they could you know, if fans felt uncomfortable, they could call the hotline and security would come kick some ass. And I mean, really exciting time in, in our community right now. And I think that, uh, utilizing the resources that are available is such an important part of overall well-being for any community member, especially musicians. It's kind of cool that you bring that all out, like all the different organizations that exist within the scene that are growing, because it feels like it's all starting to bridge together and everybody's kind of starting right. to become on the same mind track at that point. It's starting right. to become a better resource. And I think one of the things that really has amazed me the most is that, you know, more and more bands are becoming vocal about their struggles with mental health and the different things that they face. How does it feel for you to see that kind of come together and people actually admitting that sometimes they struggle? Oh my God. It feels amazing. It feels amazing. And I can't, I mean, I can't take credit for, for those bands that have chosen to do that. Um, one of the reasons why sorority noise and punk talks became BFFs is because, uh, Cam is very, I mean, well, all of them, but especially Cam are very adamant about um, raising awareness, especially about mental health treatment and uh, about mental illness in general. And if, if anyone has ever seen sorority noise, uh, they know that Cam often, you know, takes time to talk about his own struggles with his mental illnesses and how, you know, like, yeah, that's a part of who I am, but I am, I'm still a regular person. And you know, I, I realize that this is not my fault. It's, it's a part of who I am, but it doesn't have to define me. And I think that, you know, that is, there've been a lot of other bands that have really taken the time to, to speak out about it or to even, you know, even drop off tours to take care of themselves. I think that that is phenomenal. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, I'm not a musician, so I can't imagine how, how, 
emotionally taxing that must be to to have to come out to everybody and say, listen, I can't handle this anymore. Um, but at the same time, I feel like a lot of musicians feel very uh, relieved and very freed that, you know, they have a platform that people are listening to and, you know, finding out that their fans are receptive to that and care about them. And, you know, I think it's really important for musicians across the board and fans, especially that, you know, musicians are just people and that they, you know, they experience the same things that we do, but they have to do it in public and they have a lot higher expectations, uh, you know, from, from us as fans. And, you know, I, it's, I, my favorite band is brand new. Mm -hmm. Um, so being a brand new fan is super frustrating most of the time. Um, and you know, there was a point in my life when I remember thinking like, Oh my God, like they're so selfish. They're writing music that they want to play, not music that we want to hear. And, you know, and that, I mean, that was of course years and years ago, but thinking back on it now, it's just like, Oh my gosh, you know, like, that's not what this is about. These people don't form bands to, appease other people they're forming bands as an outlet for their own kind of negative feelings so I think that recognizing you know yeah it's it's an honest relation of human emotion and it's uh it's great that there are so many people out there that can identify with their songs but it can be really it can be really kind of jarring for them to have to relive that a lot like for example um you know think of a song that really just like is difficult for you to listen to because it reminds you of a certain person or a certain time. Uh, for me, that's pretty much Julian Baker's entire album of oh, everything's <laughs> so emotional and so like but heavy, so, and you feel it. But so it's, good, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's um, exactly but, the whole point of music, as far as I'm concerned. You know, you're gonna have those right. ones like. I can't listen to Foxing sometimes without bawling. Right. Like, exactly. Their music just, and, just strikes and tears. And, you know, you think about it, I guess exactly. it's what they're feeling too. They wrote it. They went through it. And they have to stand up in front of hundreds of people. And like we, you know, as just a regular not musician, I listen, like I can't get through a song without crying. And then they have to perform it every night in front of people about like the most vulnerable time in their lives. So I think, you know, the fact that they're willing to not only do that, but then also willing to publicly say, you know, yeah, my mental health is a problem sometimes and it's something I struggle with, but they're like, that is, I mean, how courageous, you know, it's, it's amazing. I really, I can't believe the, the strength and bravery of some of, some of the musicians that exist within our community, truly. And I'm thrilled that mental health is uh, kind of a, a forefront of conversation, the mental health of musicians specifically, I think, and I don't you know, I don't claim any responsibility for that. I think that, uh, it was just a happy coincidence that punk talks was founded um, uh, around the same time that people started talking about it. You know, if anything, that's like the ultimate blessing because your message just becomes that much louder. You know, I think about there's times where I've started to listen to a band and, you know, some of them will start to discuss things like mental health. When I read the articles mm -hmm. or I hear them speaking on it, it makes you almost a bigger fan because you appreciate them. What's a band that has actually really just struck you even harder once you found out, I guess, maybe more about their humanity. Oh goodness. Um, hmm. I've been really, really lucky to, um, to work with a lot of bands in 
you know, in my time with punk talks and I, I love, I love getting to know them as people and really like them being humanized to me. Um, this is a really hard question. <laughs> um, I, all of them have struck me, I guess I would say probably, um, my go-to is going to have to be modern baseball again. Um, just because they, I mean, I'm not sure if you read recently the article that AV club posted about, um, about modern baseball and their dedication to their fans. But that really is so, I mean, so accurate for so many reasons. And I recently tweeted uh, from the punk talks account that punk talks would not exist if it weren't for modern baseball. And that's really true because I mean, it wasn't, it's creation was inspired by their kind of meteoric rise to fame, but also, you know, once, uh, once I was able to kind of connect with them and, you know, I told them about what I was doing, they were just so down and, you know, they thought it was so important and so great. And I've been really to work with them through, um, Brendan's, I mean, I have not personally worked with them on this issue. Let me clarify, but, um, I've known them through Brendan's recovery, um, which has been truly phenomenal. And, you know, watching kind of the way that they've changed as individuals and grown and, and especially as a band too, I think, you know, it's been inspiring and I, all four of them, I just am really amazed by their, uh, what's the word resilience, I guess their resilience and their ability to, to stay modest and humble and true to what they believe in and what they're trying to accomplish as, as a group of musicians. And, they are just four of the loveliest people that have ever lived. Truly, you know, if anything, I started to feel like, you know, reading, watching their videos and kind of just getting to know the details of them. I had always loved modern baseball, but I felt like it was a shift, not only in how much I love them, but I think in many ways it boosted their presence in the scene. Mm -hmm. They kind of were able to connect even deeper with their fans than they ever had before. And, you know, I'm seeing the turnouts of their shows. I mean, they're doubling, tripling. They're having to book bigger venues around here in Tampa Bay. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, yes, keep doing it. Because you guys are like actually some of the more genuine and powerful and meaningful people that I've seen in music. So it's just incredible to see that messaging and that kind of band really grow in the scene. So I'm glad that we both are kind of feeling that way about modern baseball because they're amazing in that sense. I would, if I could get paid to like gush about them and how great they are, I would love to take that job full time. So if you hear of anything, <laughs> let me know. I'll keep you posted if I hear any, uh, anything <laughs> like that, but that's awesome. Um, Thank you. You know, they've kind of had their breakthrough and, you know, different bands experience that as well. But what about for punk talks? Was there any kind of special moments or that were powerful? You felt like you really just pushed to a new level, whether it be at a show, a fundraiser, anything along those lines? Um, yeah, there, uh, there've been a few, um, a few moments like that. I would say the, the first kind of, I guess the first big, like the first big move that we made, um, was putting out the silver linings benefit compilation. Um, Jamie Coletta, who she just got a promotion to like head bad bitch at side one dummy. So I hope she's listening to this. Um, she kind of approached me wanting, wanting to help. And we kind of spitballed ideas and came up with the idea of a compilation. Um, so we released, um, 
this was kind of Emily's first real job with Punk Tux and how she kind of got into her position. Uh, we released, it was last, it, I guess about a year ago now, um, it was over 60 songs by, uh, or it was 60 songs by over 50 bands. And we sold, uh, we released it online for $8. Um, and we were able to raise, you know, a, a pretty decent amount. I think it was like $200 or something. Uh, which, you know, is and was very phenomenal at the time. Uh, so that was kind of our first big real deal. Bloodfest last year was my first like public appearance with Punk Talks. And the reception at Bloodfest was by, by the people in the Michigan community was, I mean, outrageous. And still, like when I go to Bloodfest, it really is very close to my heart because a lot of, a lot of the locals involved in the Michigan music scene are really, talks and really make me feel at home when I'm there. Um, and fusion has been awesome. Um, Nate who runs blood fest has been truly wonderful. Um, another, I guess the, the, really the biggest one was, um, at the benefit show and announcing that we were adding a professional therapy component that really kind of, you know, took us to the next level and it was really like the one piece that punk talks was missing. Um, and I'm going to have to say, maybe I'm still like hyped up from it, but, um, wrecking ball most recently was really huge for us. Um, everyone at the masquerade was absolutely wonderful. Um, Alina is an angel and Josh, the vendor, uh, the vendor coordinator, he really hooked us up and he, at the last minute got us a table, like right next to the, the main stage. And, uh, it was just really, we were selling sunscreen. So people were like flocking uh, because it was outside and so hot. And I was applying sunscreen both days, all day and still got totally toasted and I'm not over it, but, um, it, we were able to raise quite a bit of money while we were there. Um, and I think a lot of it is because of the location and because, um, hyped us up to the other bands that were going to be there. So, you know, I was able to meet some, I mean, heroes like I met Rainer Maria and we took a selfie it was amazing um awesome (laughs) it was wild um I met uh Barry of Joyce Manor which I was not chill about at all (laughs) who couldn't be I've never been able Um, to be chill just walking by him so I can't imagine actually talking to him like he looked deep into my eyes and I was a changed woman um (laughs) It was, let's see. Oh, I met, that was where I first met the Menzingers and, um, sorority noise is touring with them right now. Like I said, and I am a really big fan of the Menzingers. So I was in, uh, I was in the artist lounge and I was kind of passing out little, uh, we did affirmations instead of flyers, which were really successful. And I, I kind of introduced myself to Tom, the vocalist and try, you know, tried to give him a flyer and he pulled one out of his pocket and said, Oh, I already have one. I saw this and I thought this was a great idea. And I was like, Oh my God, what? (laughs) Um, it was, it was pretty crazy, but really, uh, being able to partner, that was my first time at a festival, um, not tabling with a band and just punk talks on its own. Um, so not having kind of that security blanket of a band's fan base is still really, really successful. And uh, we've got some really, really big projects coming up. Um, one is going to be announced on Monday. And um, those, I think, are going to be other big landmark moments. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see, I guess. That's that's all I can think of right now. But honestly, every I feel like every day that I wake up, I'm like, oh, my God, 
punk talk still is a thing. You know, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Well, can you tell me about some of the projects that are coming up? Any kind of teasers that you can give us? Oh, um, <laughs> let's see. Well, um, kind of, I've kind of announced that because of my school schedule, I'm, I'm in grad school full-time and working full-time, like I said, um, and I'm doing an internship that is 16 hours a week. So I am very, very stacked and I've kind of going to be doing any touring, um, from September to May, but, um, there will be some punk talks appearances I can say. Um, and I will as well. Um, we also are working with some, some pretty crazy heavy hitters coming up, um, for a really cool, well, two really cool new projects. Um, one is musically related and the other is not. And that's all that I will say, but I'm super, super excited. Well, you've got me on the edge of my seat. I'm excited to find out more about what Punk Talks is going to be working on in the coming months. And, you know, another thing too, it's like, okay, if I gave you a timeline, like say five years, where do you want to oh, see man. Punk Talks? What do you want to be doing? Where do you envision oh. you and your team? Amanda, I hate this question. I hate it. And everybody <laughs> asks it and I hate it because, because even, I mean, if somebody had asked me a year ago, um, where do you think you'll be in a year? I would have definitely never thought that I would be where, um, therapy was definitely kind of a longer term goal. Um, and I kind of thought that I would be the therapist. Um, I never thought that I would opportunity to, to have a professional therapist be like, Hey, especially a social worker, like, of course I'm very biased, but, um, I think social workers are the best. So the fact that a social worker who is a therapist was like, Hey, I want to do this thing for you was, I mean, still is phenomenal. And I can never thank Ryan enough for what he's done. I guess five years from now is tough to think about because I will be 30 and I'm unhappy with the fact that I'll be 30 in five years, <laughs> but, um, I, um, I'm planning next summer. I'm in a, a contract with my job right now, but next summer I'm planning to relocate to the East coast so that punk talks can be a lot more accessible for, for more bands. You know, I'm, um, looking to move to an area that has coming through it and, you know, is accessible to kind of those areas where a lot of the bands are concentrated in, um, so I, I would hope that in five years, I can at least be uh, running Punk Talks on a more part-time basis. So I would, you know, be able to be working part-time and, and running Punk Talks, you know, more, I guess. Um, oh, but, you know, it's, it's kind of impossible for me to answer because I'm just kind of seeing where Punk Talks takes me. Um, for some things that we would like to accomplish. I would really, really like to add more therapists to our roster. Um, and, oh, I don't know, maybe having, maybe having like a locate, like a, a headquarters would be nice, but it's, you know, it's really, it's really hard to say, I guess I'm, excuse me, is usually my official answer. <laughs> Well, that's great because so especially with music, it's kind of a wild ride to begin with, no matter what aspect of the scene right. that you're involved in. So it's kind of amazing to hear you're open to all these new opportunities that can come your way. So yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> well, I'm very happy for you, Sheridan. And can you take this time to plug where everybody can find all things punk talks? 
Oh my God, please let me take this time to plug it. Um, well, pretty much we're just punk talks on every form of social media. Uh, we have Facebook, Twitter. Um, Twitter is kind of our most active form of social media because it lets us have more of a conversation and we don't really have to pay for people to be able to see what we're putting. Shade up Facebook. Um, <laughs> as well. And a band camp. Um, and our band camp is where you can purchase silver linings or a t-shirt. Um, we don't have that many t-shirts left, so I would suggest maybe, you know, waiting until Punk Tux comes near you to, to buy one. Um, but we also have a website. It's punktux.org. Um, and our email address is punktux at gmail.com. Um, any and all questions and interactions. Um, excited for me too. And I'm really happy for me too. So thank you for saying that. Um, it my first ever podcast um i i did a talk like the babe talk talk show uh last summer but this is my first podcast so i'm really excited well i'm glad to have you be a part of this this has been a blast and i love learning so much about your goals and you know the way that mental health is going to only get better in the scene so thank you for your yeah, time i would like to say one more thing Absolutely. and that is that um self-care is like a big thing that i really preach um to everyone all the time and self-care is just a way of making sure that you are holding yourself accountable for maintaining your well-being overall. Um, so self-care is not the same as self-indulgence. So, you know, eat an entire pizza, which I definitely did last night, by the way, um, but not in the name of self-care, <laughs> in the name <laughs> of but, um, you know, being aware of, of ways that you can be taking care of yourself, whether you're on the road or at home or you know, just in your general life, because being a person is really hard, you know, and I don't think enough people really think about that. No one expects you to be like a superhero. And I'm really guilty of this too, because I am a lady and I expect myself to be a superhero a lot of the time. But, um, and really remind me that, you know, no one's expecting that of me. They're expecting me to just be a person and, you know, to do what I love and to help as many people as I can. So, just, I would like to remind anyone listening that self-care is super important. And if you ever have any questions about mental health or you ever need to talk or, you know, you want to quote the office or something like hit me up and I would love to do that. Well said. Well, thank you so much for that. And, uh, everybody go check out punk talks. Yeah. That was Sheridan Allen of Punk Talks, who's clearly one of those great positive voices in the punk rock community. There's a beautiful mission here in caring for others and maintaining mental health in an exciting, shifting community such as music. Speaking of the music community, this past August, I immersed myself among favorites in Atlanta, Georgia for the second annual Wrecking Ball. 
Last year was the first, and it was meant as a farewell to the legendary masquerade venue. The owners are departing the facility to make way for further gentrification of the neighborhood, but there was no way the Punk Palace was going without a bang. Two grand festival stages, an outdoor purgatory, and the infamous Heaven and Hell stages were stacked with some of the biggest heavy hitters in music. But here's what really stood out to me, a stellar lineup of bands that featured women in the punk rock community. We're talking about legends like Kathleen Hanna's The Julie Ruin to the up-and-coming indie rockers like Daddy Issues. Both days of the festival were stacked with some of the most impressive performances I've ever witnessed. If you're looking for the most playful performance you could ever see, look no further than Diet Sig. The drum and guitar duo sprang from the purgatory stage into new heights, leaving the masquerade courtyard breathless. It was one of those sets where it was impossible not to smile. They're just that contagious in energy. I've always been a mega Sheena Zella fan, so it would be impossible for me not to name Lemuria as one of my favorite performers. Kudos to the sound techs at Wrecking Ball. The South Stage had some of the most clear, wrenching guitar rips of the weekend, and it only enhanced the butterflies I felt during pants. Seeing Lemuria blast on a large stage only gets me more hyped for fest this October. Circling back to the Purgatory Stage, Daddy Issues. Yep, I'm talking about one of my favorites of the entire weekend, a three-piece that stole my attention for weeks following the festival. I bounced along to the gorgeous song, Unicorns and Rainbows, all about dodging the consequences of relationships and those feels. But what really stole my heart was their cover of Don Henley's The Boys of Summer, which was transformed into a melodic emo rock ballad. Like Daddy Issues, I too am ugly when I cry, especially when I listen to their music. Stealing the indie darling's presence of the weekend was the joy formidable. The arrival of their album Hitch marked a point of pure brilliance in 2016, but their live stage set was unforgettable. No one shreds like Ritzy Bryan, an enrapturing performer whose fingers whirring across strings were unlike any I've ever heard. Bryan is a legend in the making, if not already established as one. Finally, I want to talk about one of my favorite performers that maybe a limited group were able to witness over the weekend, Gouge Away. The Florida hardcore punk giants opened for Thursday's after show in hell and not only lit up the space, but they solidified their place in the genre. Gouge Away spent August on tour with Touche Amore and Ceremony, which has only boosted their talents as a band. After watching local performances of the band as they toured through Florida, I spotted a special spark and confidence in their performance in Hell. It's always a special honor to watch a band transform over time, but none have done so with the same talent and rawness that Godway has. Christina Michelle commands a stage, demanding her voice to be heard, and the crowd obeys with utmost awe and attention. Godway is an endlessly climbing voice in the hardcore punk scene, with only more acclaim to come. Now that I've finished gushing on all of my favorites of Wrecking Ball, I just want you all to know that there were tons upon tons of more brilliant performers throughout the weekend, some of which I may have even missed. I'm fortunate to have caught dozens of incredible bands in one of the most gorgeous, safe spaces I have ever experienced music in. So that's a huge thanks to the Masquerade staff, the Wrecking Ball organizers, and the fellow fans of music throughout the weekend. If you want to relive the weekend or get a taste of how mine went, Check out my Spotify playlist, let me know who you liked, or maybe who I should have seen. Who knows, maybe they'll make it on my list of must-sees. In the meantime, let's listen to some Gouge Away.
Thanks for listening to the second episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. Next month, we'll be talking all things The Fest coming up at the end of October in Gainesville, Florida. But until next time, stay angry and check out Punk Talks now. To end our episode, we'll go out to Lemuria's Brilliant Dancer.